Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, hour number two on a Tuesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is the show. And pleased to be joined now by NFL Network's self-proclaimed <laughs> numbers nerd. It is Cynthia Freeland joining us. Uh, how are we doing, Cynthia? Good to see you here on this Super Bowl week. So great to see you. And I'm also, you know, Bills preseason. This is a big That's deal right. for me. I always yes. never did my Bills re- love there. You were you were on the sidelines last week at the East West Shrine game too. After you, know, you did the preseason with us every year, that was yeah. How'd that go? So the actual Shrine week was epic. The actual game was a little slow. It was a little slow. <laughs> I think it was it was funny because this year the uh, the Patriots were one coaching staff and the Falcons were the other, and it was it was a, just a different vibe than before when they had like pieced together staffs with like different from different teams. So just a, a different experience, but there's a lot of good players there. Some of them didn't play in the game, but they were at practice. So you did get a chance to see them there. Yeah. That's a cool thing. And we're in that season now, like the whole pre-draft thing. And I know yeah. you're, that's probably a little down the line for you with some of the, you know, evaluations that you'll be doing and, you know, crunching the analytics on those prospects. Um, I did find, you know, you had a piece back on championship weekend, that I liked a lot. It was like one thing that each of the teams does better than the other kind of thing. Um, and I, I'm, I was still fascinated by it from the very jump with the chiefs because not having Tyreek, I was really interested in how their offense was going to kind of morph and change because they're not going to be able to just throw him a pass and expect him to run 60 yards to pay dirt. Um, so I guess it didn't shock me that their yards per attempt were down and their passing game was shorter by nature, but they made it work. Like I I was surprised that it remained effective wire to wire here for them. Were you surprised by that? I guess I was surprised to see that Patrick Mahomes had thrown the most touchdown passes of 10 or fewer air yards this season. Just because when you, when you close your eyes and you think of Patrick Mahomes, you think of like horizontal passes going 30 yards from some weird arm angle that just doesn't make any sense, but he has, he has 12 more touchdown passes than the next closest guy on those shorter distance passes. And it was interesting. And I, I know you're showing some, um, you know, MVS highlights here. 
it's interesting to see who's had to pick up the yak. Like Markel Valdez-Gantling did not have a real like after the catch situation when he was at his former team with the Packers, but they've moved Kelsey around the formation. They've moved MVS. They've adapted when they got injured. You saw that last week with Kadarius Tony leaving early, especially, and no Juju Smith-Schuster. So it's been really interesting to see all of the different formations they've been running and how they've had to kind of adapt and, and make it make it happen so that you could still get Travis Kelsey the ball. Yeah, we, we've been talking about how these two teams were built in the Super Bowl, Philly and Kansas City. Mahomes famously signed that half a billion dollar contract that is, you know, he, he's gonna, I think he's going to be a chief until he's 62. But, <laughs> but they've had to work around that contract and they've seemed to have done it. They got contributions from a lot of young guys and some cheap labor after bolstering an offensive line. I mean, they've, they seem to have hit on a lot of cylinders. Absolutely. And if you're looking in this upcoming game, I mean, Legereus Sneed, who just cleared concussion protocol, he'll be a free agent this season. So they're still getting him at pretty much a premium. I think he will. He's shown a lot of that star position, the nickel corner position and out wide. Actually, I think he, they're, I don't know if they're gonna be able to afford to keep him, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, he, he's got a whole contract on the line. So that could be a, a big game from him could mean a lot of money for another team. The, there's a lot about the Eagles that is impressive this season, and obviously the addition of A.J. Brown says a lot. I think the quality of their lines on offense and defense is also something. But their short yardage success this year, Cynthia, not only on third down but on fourth down too, is uncanny. Like We see that a lot here with Josh, and it's like, okay, he's a 6'5", 245-pound quarterback. Yeah, he's pretty much a sure thing on sneaks. But Jalen Hurts is, like, just as good, and he's, like, half of Josh's size. Like, what's going on there? Well, part of the fact is it's the best O-line in football this season. So that, you know, quite helpful thing to have happen there. Plus the addition of the way that they've kind of folded in or not folded in strategically used the, the kind of the field stretching weapons, as well as designed quarterback runs. I mean, we haven't actually even seen Hertz really do any designed runs since he hurt his shoulder. So well over a month, but if you're seeing like where he's been super effective and efficient, it's been like, you know, kind of an issue where Miles Sanders doesn't pick up a block and he's like, well, got to go on my own. You know, Miles Sanders didn't pick up the blitz. So I'm going to go scramble for my life now, which is, it's just a different way from Josh. Josh just muscles it hurts, just sort of bounces around and responds to it. So in the next, and when you see these two teams match up and the, you know, and the difference in the, you know, the way they're structured, you're right. It was the line of scrimmage has been Philadelphia's on both sides of the ball, and that's really been the engine that has driven them all season, correct? Absolutely. I mean, they had 70 sacks, so that's the most in the league by a lot. And, you know, they also were getting pressure without using the blitz, which is very helpful because you can drop guys in coverage. If there was one weakness or the area that, you know, Andy Reid will look to exploit, it's probably the linebacker level, especially linebackers in coverage and the safeties. And, you know, sometimes C.J. Gardner-Johnson plays safety, so I'm excluding him from that. But, you know, the, the, the safeties other than him, because if you see the area of the field that has been most targeted, they have almost a 58 completion percentage allowed in that back middle third of the field, which is kind of like the Travis Kelsey area. So that's where I would think that Andy Reid would look to exploit because the other areas just seem like – well, we got um, all these guys that are going to rush the passer, and we've got these great corners, and um, yeah, the RO line's pretty nasty, and we can stretch the field. So we got a lot of things covered, but maybe the one area we don't necessarily have covered is the Travis Kelsey area. Yeah. 
Uh, I want to talk a little bills here, Cynthia, because there is one thing that comes up from time to time with our fans, you know, that call into this show. And Steve and I have tried to kind of wrap our heads around why it is the case. Bills are a very prolific passing team, but they rank low almost every year in yards after catch. And we kind of suspect that it's partly due to the fact that Josh is kind of like a put it on you passer. He's not a throw you into space passer necessarily all the time. So we're thinking that's part of it. Is there a metric anywhere that can help spell out why, you know, the bills typically rank very low in yards after catch as a team? Well, a couple of things. First, if you're looking to see what kind of passes Josh throws, they, he throws deeper passes. So if you have longer air yards per attempt passes, it just takes longer for the play to develop. And it also becomes a deeper pass, which means sometimes you're already like, I'd be curious to see like how many end up in the, in the end zone. Right. Cause if you're only running five yards to get to the end zone, like that's not a lot of yards right. after the catch because you know, you've made a touchdown. So the reality is, is he's throwing a bit deeper passes and also like, a lot of times it's smarter to run out of bounds, right? It's smarter to, you have to take into account the strategy of what you're trying to do there. It's not always just deep pass yards after the catch touchdown, every single play. Sometimes clock management comes into play and the score also. So I, I think it's a, it's a funny, it's kind of like a funny, weird statistical anomaly. I think the thing that matters more way, way, way more is earning first downs and touchdowns. And that's an area where the passing game for the bills is always strong. All right, so you're our favorite numbers nerd, and uh, I, you came up with this thing. It's fun at this end of the season because we're just looking back, and we see all these teams that have had good seasons, bad seasons, unexpected seasons. You did a nice piece for the NFL.com about teams that over the aspects of teams that overperform. For instance, Seattle's passing offense with Geno was off the was off the, was un, out of nowhere, right? And then you've also got stuff like Denver's offense that really underperformed. And I, I don't know if you can remember you know, uh, what you did in that, what you said in that piece, but can you give us maybe a couple of highs and lows, overs and unders of teams that you – because it's never predicted. We're trying to predict all this stuff with analytics, and it's harder and harder. But some of these things came out of nowhere. These teams were either really good and we didn't expect them to be, or they really stunk and we expect them to be good. So you talked about Geno Smith, and I, I kind of love this one because in the beginning of the season, he had the most deep touchdown passes of anyone in the entire league, which is funny for two reasons. One, it's Pete Carroll, who's notorious for saying, let's let's call a running play. How about you want to run the ball? Okay, let's run the ball again. The most rushing plays called by percentage any coach in like the last in, in maybe like since people, you know, started passing the football. Right. So that's funny, too. It's just kind of something you didn't expect, because remember, they traded for Drew Locke and everyone's like, it has to be Drew Locke. Right. He's the starter. We didn't even think Gino was going to start. So that's where that's a, a really fun one. And they don't even have a very good O-line. They do have two good wide receivers and they're decent in the, in the tight end game. But you know, that was super, it was a fun one, especially, you know, given all the weird notes around, you know, the league about why maybe Russell left or whatever. And then of course, because we saw them in preseason, it was strange to see the Broncos underperform so much on offense. Their defense was good. They were losing games, letting teams score less than double digits and they lost games with Russell 
Wilson, who since his hand injury hasn't looked the same, you know, he's an improv, he, he does a lot of improv, right? So all those, he, he couldn't really do that. He didn't get on the same page with his receivers. He has good receivers. We'll be interesting to see what Sean Payton does, maybe a quicker passing, quicker strike offense. Like we saw with Drew Brees. I don't know. That's a huge contract. That seems like a difficult job. I'm glad a good coach got it because I like to see good football, but that was a, a very strange Broncos offense. Right. Strange. Yeah. To say the least. Um, another question I had for you, Cynthia, was regarding all of the coordinator changes we've seen around the league. I realize we still got a game to play left in this season, but as you move into the off season and begin to assess and kind of predict, you know, who might slot where in this league, you know, um, pecking order and whatnot, how much do you factor in new coordinators in new places and some of their previous history. I know the personnel that they inherit is obviously completely different, but Brian Flores to Minnesota, for example, do you look at his Dolphins history and maybe apply that in any way, shape, or form to your models or Edgero Evero in Carolina? Yeah, I mean, the personnel matters the most, obviously, and the kind of coaching tree and the background. I mean, Minnesota specifically, I can speak a lot to Brian Flores. I actually went to college with Brian Flores randomly. I've known him for 20 years, and he obviously has a lot of experience with secondaries, which was the absolute problem with that Minnesota defense. Minnesota secondary, they're very young. They were very green. They weren't very good. They were giving up just so many passing yards, and so I think that will be a big source of improvement Plus, with Kevin O'Connell's offensive style, it is a more important one because some of these coordinator positions, if they're not going to be really responsible for calling plays or making decisions, then they matter less. But in the case of the Vikings, absolutely, that one matters a ton. Also interesting to see, like, I'm I'm curious to see what happens with Kellen Moore out here for the Chargers because that's a good offense. Justin Herbert is a good quarterback and they have a lot of the pieces, but that team just keeps getting pummeled with injuries and like, like the injury list is so long between them and the Titans that it's like, I, I don't even know what I'm looking at sometimes. So at the end of the day, I'll be interested to see how some of those guys make some adjustments because I mean, you put a Schottenheimer in at, for the Cowboys, you know what you're getting there. It's going to be very traditional. It's going to be very, we'll, we'll see what the Cowboys can do. But at the end of the day, I, I think the coordinator positions this year are really fascinating because it does kind of also predict for the next wave of head coaches. So how they start to coordinate these games and what we start to see with offenses, considering how different the college game is. I'm getting into draft season and you just watch and the college game just keeps getting more and more different and distinct from the NFL game. And it's going to be interesting to see how they all kind of map going forward to these coordinators. Yeah, the coordinators are, are kind of the big story this offseason because there are so many changing hands, um, like, you know, Kellen Moore going out and just going from one coordinator's job to another. Brian Flores reemerging as a defensive coordinator. You got Nate Hackett going from that coordinator's sideline, head coach for a half a year. Now he's a coordinator again for the New York Jets. Uh, how much – how do you – just what Brownie asked. You got Minnesota, who had a really nice offense, scored a lot of points, and won a lot of single-score games. Do but they were thirty-first in defense. Did they have the thirty-first roster in defense? I mean, they certainly had some better players. How do you quantify that? If you might give us some insight into that. Yeah. So a lot like football is complimentary, right? So if you have an offense like you have with the Minnesota Vikings, remember they were in all of those one possession games, one possession games that you win is not super predictive because there could be one more possession and you could lose. Right. So the, the interesting part there is you need things that fit. 
Meaning if you're going to have that offense that's able to score all those points, you can't have a bad passing defense because teams, if you go up on them, they have to pass on you. So that is going to make it more and more difficult. And those numbers are going to look really inflated in the pass game. If your weakness is what you're forcing other teams to do, they, the Vikings, they were the Justin Jefferson, who obviously I hope he's the offensive player. I mean, he seems like he's a very strong candidate for offensive player of the year. But it, at the end of the day, it's like now you've got all these pass games. They didn't really have super consistent run games. Like Dalvin Cook showed up, didn't show up, showed up. Like wasn't because you cannot control the clock that way. So they have to fit together, which this is now where free agency becomes super important. So you get your coordinators into position and then you see how you're going to restock the shelves. It's going to be fascinating for the Jets to see what they do, right? Because Nathaniel Hackett obviously came from that Green Bay pedigree with a quarterback who is you know, amongst the most serious focused and knows what he wants in the league. Now you don't know what's going on at quarterback there, right? You know, Russell Wilson, we're, we're just going to, that's an asterisk. We'll move that over there. He'll, we'll go, we'll give him the Aaron Rodgers credit that he deserves. And then now who are they going to get to do that job? Because if you bring in a young, a younger person or, a, or even a free agent, they could not have that personality. So it's going to be very interesting to see the, the teams that fit the best are the ones where the guys bring in from free agency and draft the people who could execute the game plan and vision of the coaches, coordinators, whoever's in charge of actually calling the plays. We'll see how they all fit together. Awesome. Cynthia, thanks for all the insight. We appreciate it. We also understand you have a new roommate. Um, care to share real quick? He's the cutest ever. He's he he's kind of messy and he's very needy. He is my puppy and he's about eight months old and I rescued him. His name is Gordy after Gordy Howe. And I just, I couldn't love him anymore. And I'm very like sad to leave him for the Super Bowl. I'm going tomorrow and I'm, I'm we're, we're, we're having a moment here. Him and I we're we'll, we'll pull it together, but you know, we're just having a little, we're going to go on an extra walk, maybe some extra treats. We'll be okay. <laughs> That's right. awesome. That's great. Congratulations. Thanks Cynthia. Again, we'll catch up with you soon here in the off season. Yes, can't wait to see you guys soon. All right, that's NFL Network's analytics expert, Cynthia Freeland, joining us there. And uh, she kind of made me feel better about the yards after the catch situation with the Bills because a lot of people knock the Bills for not having a high yards after catch figure. I think they were second to last in 21. This past season, they were fifth from the bottom. And I, I don't think it really impacts their scoring prowess their ability to move the football, and Cynthia kind of confirmed that for me. What the Bills do well is they can throw the ball deep because of Josh. That can reduce opportunities in terms of yards after the catch, and I think she confirmed for us what matters is first downs and touchdowns when it comes to prolific offense, and the Bills score very highly in those two areas. And so yards after the catch, yeah, it'd be nice to have, but it's not killing them. I mean, just look at their numbers. Right. right. At least the numbers that count. Scoring. That's right. Scoring and yards and first downs and third down conversion. They're really good at that. I mean, so they, they're clicking on a lot of cylinders. And, uh, you know, despite how the season ended for them, there's a lot to build on with the guys. And, you know, I, I know that in the recency bias that we all live under, I mean, we all think just think about the team and how it looked when they walked off the field uh, this last, you know, month. When they got beat and they, they didn't play well, and it's, you, you tend to want to scrap a few things and try something else. I don't know that I would. You got to take a deep breath, 
and just get those guys to play better on that day. Now, certainly they had a lot of things working against them. So, did, you know, the Bengals did too. Um, I don't know that we'll ever be able to quantify the effect that DeMar Hamlin's injury had on them because the Bills won the next two games. But they barely beat sloppy against they barely Miami. beat the New England Patriots. Yeah, and sloppy against Miami. Very sloppy against Miami. Skylar Thompson almost beat him, and they they needed two kickoff returns for touchdowns to beat the Patriots. And the Patriots yeah. were putrid offensively. Yeah. So I I don't think they ever recovered from that this season. I think it was ob- painfully obvious, although not evident. Uh, in the game against Cincinnati because it seemed like it was getting further away from what DeMar had been through, and I, I just don't think the team was the same. I um, don't know, though. Uh, that's, it's not for me to speculate about that, except that's what I do on the radio, speculate. So <laughs> uh, I, uh, it's, it's easy to sit here and say, man, we need to change this, we need to change that, let's go here, let's do that. I don't know. I'm I'm not ready to do that. Josh is a player that you got to build around, and that means the offense is going to look a certain way. And as we heard Cynthia say, he throws the the ball all over the yard. It's not about yards after catch. It's about first downs and touchdowns and third downs, and converting third downs. And they're really good at that. They're they're still a an almost really tough team to beat. Yeah. So I'm kind of with her. And some of our callers have said the same thing. I, you know, they got some faith in the guys they got on the team, but you need to protect Josh up front. Right, which brings us back to an offense that at times probably became almost too Josh-centric and depended on him making something miraculous happen, you know, to give them uh, or put them in a situation to score points. Yeah. So what's the most effective way to make maybe take the load off of Josh even just a little bit Going into 2023, we get back to the phones and waiting patiently has been Dave in West Seneca. What do you got for us, Dave? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm a 40-year uh, season ticket holder, and uh, I've seen a lot of good and bad with this team, so I'm, I'm very proud of this team, so don't get me wrong. Hey, I'm thinking uh, when we played Cincinnati in that playoff game and we went down 14 nothing. I looked at my wife and my nephew that were sitting next to me, and I said, they're going to put this game on Josh's shoulders. I said, I've, and I looked at him. I said, I feel sorry for the kid. I said, uh, they just put too much on his back. And I think he knows that he's carrying the weight of this team on his back. And I feel sorry for him. But I think what they need help is the inside of the uh, offensive line. Uh, you need two, two brand new guards. Uh, if you look at the, the three previous games that you were just talking about, the New England, Miami, and Cincinnati game, uh, uh, Josh had no time back there to sit back there and, and look at his second, third, fourth receivers. I mean, he, was, he had no time whatsoever. Whatever they're doing defensively, they knew they can beat up on our offensive line, and they just uh, they came after us with everything they had, and we had no answer for it. So I think we need two offensive, two offensive guards, and I think they need to uh, – and I think you can get that in the free agency without too much paying too much. But I think you also need to draft a center because one more concussion, maybe two with, with – uh, Mitch Morris, and uh, you're going to be looking for another center. So I think they need to uh, let's develop another center and let's get two new guards to help Josh and maybe one receiver. And I think you can get that in the draft also to keep the, our salary cap down low. So thanks, guys. Like the show, and uh, I'll listen to what you have to say. Yeah, I'll say this too, and you're right, Dave. Um, when they get into a tight spot, they do depend on Josh. Uh, that's what teams do with guys like Josh on them, like Mahomes, like Burrow like Justin Herbert, uh, 
um, and even Jacksonville with uh, Trevor Lawrence, Brady and Brady and and uh, um, Aaron Rodgers. That's what teams do. They when you got that guy, that's what he's there for. And Part you don't, of the gig. And you don't. Yeah, you don't need to feel sorry for him. They guys like Josh and Mahomes and Aaron. They love it. They want it. They they want the ball in their hands when the game is on the line late when the, something's got to happen. They don't want anybody else to have the ball. So don't feel sorry for those guys. That's It's a gift. It's a gift. And they treat it as such. That's why they're good. They love moments like that. Whether they succeed or fail, they still want us to take the swing. They still want to take that snap and see what happens. So don't feel sorry for them. And Josh is not the only guy in the league who the team asks a ton of, like I just said. Mahomes had 91% of the Kansas City offense in the championship game. 91%. He was the guy. So you can say what you want about how much the Bills ask, them, ask him to do. If you can give him some help, awesome, yeah. But that's the way it works in the NFL. Right. And maybe it's, and we probably said this earlier already, but it's just about making life a little bit easier for him. Whether it's, as some of our callers have pointed out, a half second longer to throw, you know, and deliver the football. One more open guy. Yeah, a guy that can get early separation more consistently, you know, for easy button throws, as we've talked about. Whatever it is, you got to invest on that side to help the best player on your team. Make it easier for him so he can excel even more frequently than he already does. Yeah. Um, it's He's still going to be the center of everything. And if the offensive line's better, if you all that stuff, yeah, no question about it. But he's still going to have to be the guy that sees the open man and makes that throw. He's going to be the one making the decisions back here, and that's what quarterbacks do. They make decisions and they execute it. So um, another year with him and Ken Dorsey, they're going to be smoother and better. They're going to learn about each other and learn more about what they're doing and some of the things they can do better, and they'll slice it up way more than we'll, we'll be, ever be able to here on this radio program. But um, I'm, kind of, I'm with you. Um, offensive line looks to be something that you can say this about the receivers and stuff, about they drop too many passes or whatever. That's, and that's obvious. That, that's something we all know how to fix. You just get those guys out there and catch balls all day, and you get to where you don't drop any you drop, or you drop fewer. Offensive line, it's harder for, you know, everyday schmucks like me and Brownie to think, well, how do they get better? They get bigger, they stronger. Okay, those guys lift and they train all the time. How do they play better? And there's no question, offensive linemen play better in one system than another, and there's ways for them to improve their play. But for most of us, Jamokes like me, you think, well, gosh, just get better players. Uh, and there is some of that going on with the Bills today, and you know, all the the calls we've been having, and the, and the conversation that's been going on since the end of the season, where you just feel like you need to be more dominant up there. That is a different conversation than having receivers who can just catch more balls and get better. How much improvement guys like Spencer Brown can make, Ryan Bates, Mitch Morris, how, many, you know, how much better can Deion Dawkins and Roger Saffold get? And how confident you are that's going to happen. You can that's project right. it. What's your degree of confidence, though, is just as important because that's going to determine whether or not you purchase a, an insurance plan. Right. Younger players tend to get a higher ceiling credited to them, whether it's there or not. Guys like Roger Saffold, who's in 
week twenty, like this last week, he was hitting week twenty of week, year thirteen. You kind of know what you're going to get with Roger Saffold, and that may be enough. But if you've got a guy that may be give you more than that, you might roll the dice on the guy. You know, a draft pick or a free agent or whoever. Yeah. But at least with Roger Saffold, you know where the floor is, and you can help him and do things, and you can you know what you can ask of him, and it gives you some confidence in those things. A young guy gives you less confidence in everything, but maybe a chance to get better in all those things. Yeah, that's that's where we're at. That's the balance. Yeah, we got to take a break here, but when we come back, we're going to crack open the tweet sheet, get some more of your thoughts on how you think the Bills in twenty twenty three. Might be able to lighten Josh Allen's load and make things easier for him just a little bit. We're back here in a moment on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.